But Elser is a devout communist because he's all about the plight of the worker. So he hates the Nazis. Yes. He refused to participate in the Nazi salute, mm. never listened to Nazi radio or speeches, always referred to Hitler as a gypsy. What? <laughs> <laughs> and he never voted in favor of the Nazi party. Well, those are good things, I suppose. I guess so. I, I don't mean, get the gypsy thing, it's a little but, racist, hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James. I really hate Nazis. Mm, good. So do I. Mm, yeah, just want to get that on record. We hate Nazis. Uh, you know, all the... Yes. <laughs> of all forms. I was going to try to make a joke there, but I'm, I'm just not. Mm-mm. Nope. What are you going to do? Uh, we hate Nazis, and we hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down these characters from the odd and exciting family that is humanity. <laughs> That's disgusting. Uh, the way this works is that James and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway. So, James, who do we have this week? Two men who tried to assassinate Adolf Hitler. Oh, the Fuhrer had better watch his back. These guys sound serious. They are serious, Mm. and their names are Maurice Bavod, is that it? I think that's how it's pronounced. And Johann George Elser. And I think it's Georg, but... I, I think don't. it's... Yeah, there's no E at the end, so... <laughs> Johann Georg Elsa. Uh, very heroic names. So, tell me, James, did they succeed in their ambitions to off the old hitman? No spoilers. <laughs> of course not. So, why don't we get into the elevator and de-elevate society in the history lab? Let's do it. of darkness in the most frightful years of the 20th century, two men stood up and said, no. Adolf Hitler is one of the most powerful men in the world and is leveraging this power to commit atrocities and conquer Europe. His army is one of the best in the world, his message is intoxicating, and his ambition endless. Yet there are men who would stand against him. Two of them, heroes unsung, are Johann Georg Elser and Maurice Bavard. Champions of their nation, champions of the world, and champions of good. Ice Age is the best movie. It's the worst. What's wrong with it? Ray Romano and his stupid, stupid voice. Uh, fair enough. Hmm. You know, James, I was thinking, we wouldn't even have to do the show on Hitler's attempted assassinations if Henry Tandy was just a little more merciless. Uh, who? Henry Tandy. The man who didn't shoot Hitler? No? No. Uh, well, in World War I, there was an incredible soldier named Henry Tandy. He won all sorts of medals, including the Victoria Cross. Huh, awesome. Uh, yeah, and there's this disputed story about Tandy spotting a wounded German soldier out in the open and in his line of fire... And he spared his life. Oh, cool. Yeah. Turns out the German soldier was literally Hitler. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hitler nods. Hitler nods a thanks to Tandy and hauls back, uh, hauls ass back to his trench. 
I guess. <laughs> I think there okay. was a, it was World War One. There were trenches everywhere. Uh, anyway, after the war, Hitler found Tandy and allegedly Whoa. sent him presents <laughs> and publicly thanked him for sparing his life. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Tandy, whose village was bombed by the German Air Force in World War II, is quoted as saying that he would have shot the bastard till his gun was empty yeah. if he had known who he was. <laughs> Damn, the guilt that must have come from that. And what's funny about this is that really in any other situation, sparing a wounded enemy would be seen kind of as a wonderful thing. Um, I mean, Tandy had no way of knowing that this man was, again, literally Hitler. Right. But it still colors the whole thing kind of off, you know? Yeah. Mm. Huh. Anyway, computer, bring up Maurice Bavard and Johann Georg Elser. Affirmative, my lord. All right. So, James, why don't you tell us what Johann looks like? Johann Elser looks like a German hero. Oh, All pictures of him show him to be drinking a pint of beer, (laughs) angrily eating sausages and pretzels, wearing robes of furs, and invading Poland. Wait a second. Wait. Hold on, that's not right. (laughs) He is a German hero, but for completely different reasons. More on this later. But what did he actually look like? He looks like a hero. He is a hero. Like a Greek hero? Is he naked except for a funny helmet? No, shut the fuck up. Uh, so, let me tell you what Maurice Bavard looks like. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. He's literally the most handsome Nazi you've never seen. What? Uh, what? <laughs> except he wasn't a Nazi oh. at, at all. Not even close. Actually, he was like on the complete opposite end of Nazi. An anti-Nazi? Uh, anti-Nazi. Uh, but he kind of looks like a character out of Wolfenstein 2. Ah. Uh, what I'm saying is that the Aryans really needed this man's genes. Uh, almost as much as I need this man in my genes. Oh. Maurice, if you're listening to this, I love you. Shut up. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, uh, you know what? Let's uh, let's take a little break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about Johann Georg Elser's early life. And we are back to We Talk About Dead People. And there's a cat on James's bed. Hello, Pickles. Hello, Pickles. He's just ignoring us like cats do. Yeah. Why is your bed down here anyway? Uh, long story. Just tell the audience. Tell the audience. Well, we know what happened. Not now. We'll get into that. Fair enough. I guess. All right. It's the bombs, people. It's it's the bombs. They're falling everywhere. London's in a lot of trouble. It's nineteen. That's where we are. It's nineteen thirty-nine. Uh, wait, did they even bomb London thirty-nine? When did they bomb London? Uh, not till later. Uh, I'm stupid. This just in. <laughs> so, uh, tell us about Johann Georg Elser's early life, James. All right. Well, Johann Georg Elser was born in 1903, Hermeringen, Wurttemberg, <laughs> to parents Ludwig Elser and Maria Mueller. Those are, yep. This is probably the most German <laughs> sentence I've ever spoken about. To say that. <laughs> Uh, but Elser had kind of a rough upbringing. His dad was a timber merchant, and his mom ran the family farm. Hmm. Elser usually was busy caring for his five younger siblings. His dad also was a raging alcoholic, oh. and would often come home drunk and angry. We got a lot of alcoholics on this show, yeah, or alcoholic kind fathers. Of, it's kind of not too surprising. No, but... Yet, Elser managed to make it through all of this and showed himself to be a talented and smart boy. Oh, good. He was particularly talented with penmanship, music, math, and drawing. Hmm. These skills will be important later. Ooh. Anyways, as soon as he was of age, Elser wanted to begin his own career. He became an apprentice to a smelter, but was soon forced to resign because of health problems. Oh. And get used to this. 
Well, uh, this poor man cannot keep a job. Oh! Not because he's a bad worker, but because he is probably the unluckiest man in all of Germany. Okay. <laughs> uh, from 1919 to 1922, <laughs> Elser was apprenticed to a master woodworker in Konigsbronn, Germany. He also entered trade school and graduated at the top of his class. Oh, good. Afterwards, he worked at a furniture factory for a few years. Oh, okay. In 1925, he left his parents' homes and worked for a woodworking company that made wooden propellers for airplanes. <laughs> After only a few months of this, Elser left this company and started working for a clock-making factory. Very soon after Elser was hired, the factory went out of business and was sold to a different clock company, wow. and he was fired. This new company, though, rehired Elser, but then the entire factory burned down and Elser was left jobless <laughs> no! again. Poor Elser. But Elser's life was about to change. Oh. You see, Elser's roommate was a commie. Whoa. And Elser soon found himself totally agreeing to everything that his roommate said. That's what happens when you get communist roommates. That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so Elser joined two very important organiza organizations that would alter the very path of his life. And what were these organizations? The first organization was the German communist organization oh. known as the Red Front Fighters League. Wow! And the second organization was a traditional dress and dance group. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, so he goes uh, to the, the German communist organization, which can't, which can't be very popular at this time. No, <laughs> uh, not at all. And he's in something called the Red Front Fighters League? Yes. Is that like a fight club for communists? Maybe. <laughs> I wish. I just know that he's a dancing commie at this time. Yes, that's the important thing to come away from this with. <laughs> Uh, Elser then began working for another woodworking company, but was let go after six months. God damn it. But during this time, he met a waitress named Matilda Niederman. The two soon fell in love and had a son named Manfred. <laughs> That's so <laughs> Which great. is such a great name. Uh, but Elser did not want this responsibility, so he left the girl and the boy. Oh. However, being honorable, he continued to pay child support to Matilda. Okay. These payments often exceeded the amounts of money he made, and he soon found himself in debt. Oh, no! Yeah, it's not going too well for Elser. Uh, in 1930, he began working for another clock-making company. Uh, two years later, though, Elser returned to the home of his parents because his mother called him for help. Mm. Elser's dad was drinking more than normal, would often beat Elser's mom, oh. and was greatly in debt. Man, so else Yeah. So Elser returned home, ran his family's farm, and made a little money on the side by doing odd jobs for friends and neighbors. Yeah. Admiral Guy. Yeah. Uh, to escape his grim family situation, though, Elser spent a lot of time playing musical instruments such as the flute, accordion, bass, and zither. Wow. That's yeah. a lot. <laughs> I know. I could barely get my ukulele to sound right. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those, yeah. I'll okay. be singing you all a very special song that I will compose for you oh. uh, with my ukulele. And you can really? hear my amazing singing voice. Uh, if you give a million dollars to the podcast, <laughs> someone's gonna do it. Nah, I think I'll make a Patreon go. Oh, by the way, I need to give a retraction. A couple episodes ago, I said that it was $75 a month to get us to do a drunk episode. Yeah, you did. That is ridiculous. It's not $75 a month. I think it's quite. We don't have that much self-esteem. Yeah, we, we so, so I think it's. I think I'm gonna set it at 15 because on the Patreon, I actually nice. accidentally made it 75. So if you give $15 a month, we will do a drunk episode um, on some characters of your choice. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good, right? Uh, okay, anyway, so so he's a very musical young man. Yes. Uh, he also fell in love with a girl named 
Elsa Harlan, and the two started up an affair because she was married. Oh, shit. Uh, this didn't stop Elsa from moving into her basement, what? though, while she was still married to a different guy. Well, uh, <laughs> what's that man doing in our basement? He's just there fixing the TV. <laughs> it's the 30s when I sing. Uh, Elsa's husband soon found out, of course, and the two were divorced. Mm. Uh, but did, the, did Harlan and Elsa stay together? I don't think so. I didn't say. Mm. Um, That'd be too bad. If- I yeah, after all yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so in 1936, Elsa worked for a carpenter, but then quit because he wasn't being paid enough. Like you do? He then worked for a shipping department where he became acquainted with fuses and detonators. Ooh. This will be important later. Oh, I can tell. Anyways, uh, Elsa is kind of having a difficult life, and it only gets worse for him when the Nazi party comes to, into power in Germany. It gets worse for everyone <laughs> when they come into power. But Elsa is a devout communist because he's all about the plight of the worker. So he hates the Nazis. Yes. He refused to participate in the Nazi salute, mm. never listened to Nazi radio or speeches, always referred to Hitler as a gypsy. What? <laughs> <laughs> and he never voted in favor of the Nazi party. Well, those are good things, I suppose. I guess so. I, I don't mean, get the gypsy thing. It's a little but, racist. Hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this will all come up later, but for now, our friend Elser is just kind of having a rough life. Man, sounds like it. Yes. So, uh, why don't we move over to Maurice Bavard's early life? Okay. And I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, but I'm an American and I don't know how to pronounce things. So. We won the war for you, so we'll pronounce it however we damn well please. <laughs> we saved your asses in World War II. <laughs> I hate that one. That's oh, so, me too. Ugh, such bullshit. But anyway. Back to back two World War winners. <laughs> I've seen that on Facebook. I, Many independent days. <laughs> t-shirts. I've seen t-shirts oh, with that. Gosh, oh, damn it. Oh. All right, let's just move into Maurice's early Man. life. Anyway, so Maurice. Uh, the bad news is there's actually not much on his early life. Oh. Uh, but I do have some things that are worth mentioning. Okay. Uh, like, he was born in Switzerland and was raised by an extremely strict Catholic family. Uh, I mean, the family was just totally bathed in the Catholic <laughs> Church. You might say it was full immersion. <laughs> That's not very Catholic. <laughs> Baptism jokes aside, uh, Maurice was trained as a technical draftsman. So he was apparently very good at drawing and planning. Uh, his work was reportedly highly technical, hmm. but that's all the info I have. There's oh. no word, uh, at least for me, uh, on what he designed or anything like that. Hmm. Um, not that it matters all that much. Okay. Uh, anyway, this work isn't entirely satisfying for him. Uh, and he has some very strong religious convictions, obviously, mm-hmm. and decides that it's time to become a missionary. Cool. Uh, so he joins the St. Joseph Society, and I did some research into this. Uh, it turns out that there are like a million St. Joseph Societies, oh. so it was kind of <laughs> difficult to pin down uh, which one Maurice joined exactly. Um, but they all have a pretty common mission, so that's what I'll focus on. The St. Joseph Society has a strong bend toward helping poor communities, particularly in Africa and in regions populated by people of African heritage. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so yeah. they wow. plan events like food drives and soup kitchens in urban areas and work to build strong communities. Uh, it's actually a really great-looking mission, to be oh, honest. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, what could go wrong? Anyway, yeah, exactly. Uh, Hitler. <laughs> Well, they're still active today, so Hitler didn't stop them. Oh, good. It's great. Uh, So anyway, the good news is that Maurice is surrounded by helpful, faithful, and good people. Hmm. Um, He also joins a Swiss nationalist organization, Uh which is a little less great, I think. Uh, But of course, jingoism is rampant all over the world at this time, so it's really not Uh, too surprising. World War I brought out the best in us, didn't it? Ah, yes. Uh, yes. Good old trenches. Uh, uh, Passchendaele. Hmm. Y'all need to listen to Hardcore History with Dan Carlin. He has this uh, thing called... Uh, what is it? Road to... What's the word I'm thinking of? A, a, a 
wrote. Anyway, you'll find it. It's uh, totally check it out. It is so good. And um, if you don't know anything about World War One, you will learn today. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he's a fascinating speaker. Uh, not a historian, but he does do a lot of research. A lot more than we do. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take much. But anyway, so this little nationalist society is called the Compagnie du Mystère. <laughs> what? <laughs> the Compagnie du Mystery. And okay. they solve mysteries from the mystery machine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know. But anyway, so it's led by this man called Marcel Gerbehay. Oh, I've had that type of wine. Gerbehay. <laughs> <Very nice. laughs> <laughs> Uh, Marcel has made uh, he made some pretty interesting claims. Uh-oh. The main one being that he was a member of the Romanov dynasty, huh. and that his family was destined to reclaim rule over Russia. Whoa. Now remember, the Romanovs were the last family in power before Russia fell to the communists during World War One. Right. And Gerbahay thinks that once communism is destroyed in Russia, he'll simply waltz back in and take power. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, He's got a plan. Now, Maurice somehow gets the not-too-terrible idea, honestly, that killing Adolf Hitler would make this plan come about a little faster. So, sure. while imbibing 90-proof nationalism, Maurice really starts to hate Hitler. Mm. Uh, he's beginning to see Hitler not only as an enemy of non-communist Russia, but also as an enemy of the Catholic Church. Uh, huh. This is finally the point where he buys a 25 ACP pistol and goes to Berlin. Whoa. Yeah. We're only in his early life and he's already armed yeah, and yeah. heading so, to Berlin. Uh, this, is, this is where more details start to come up, so it's a little bit more in-depth from here on huh. out. But, um, yeah, so he's in Berlin with a 25 pistol. What do you think is going to happen? Hunting? <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we're through everyone's early life, I think we should take a little bit of a little break, do some vodka shots, and come back, and uh, then talk about these people as adults. Okay. Yeah. And we are back to We Talk About Dead People, and we're going to be talking about Johan. Johan? Johan. Sebastian. Uh, Johan. Now. Uh, no. No. Now. 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 Why did I turn into Christopher Walken right for a second? Johan Georg Elsa's life. Is that what he sounds like? I don't know what he says. Uh, who knows? Okay. But anyway, tell us about his adult life. All right. So back with our boy Elsa, things are not too great. Aww. He's not having luck keeping down a job, and he's terrified about this Nazi regime. Well, right. <laughs> sounds so. like me. <laughs> uh, in 1938, he comes up with an idea. He must kill Hitler. Yes! But before we label this guy as some crazy-eyed communist fanatic, let's listen to his own words as to why he came to this conclusion. Oh, okay. You'll find he's actually quite sane and logical. He later said... Uh, I'm gonna have to do this with a German accent, aren't I? No. Can you do a German accent? Not well. Uh, do a bad one, and I'll stop you if it's too bad. <laughs> Quote. Uh, okay. Mm. I have to think about. I can. I don't. I can't. Do that, that sounded southern. <laughs> I considered. Uh, I, th I think that you, this trick is to turn the W's into V's and the S's into Z's. That's what I was thinking. Try it. <laughs> I considered how to improve the conditions of the workers and avoid a war. For this, I was not encouraged by anyone, even from Radio Moscow. I never heard that the German government and the regime must be overthrown. I reasoned the situation in Germany could only be modified by a removal of the current leadership. I mean Hitler, Goring, and Goebbels. 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 <laughs> Gerbels. <laughs> I, didn't want, I did not want to eliminate Nazism. I was merely of the opinion that a moderation in the policy objectives will occur with, through the elimination of these three men. 
The idea of eliminating the leadership came to me in the fall of 1938. I thought to myself that this is only possible if the leadership is together at a rally. That wasn't that that bad of a German accent, but I can't I can't do one I can't do one either. Uh, okay. So, uh, uh, or more concisely, he also said, "I had to do it because for his whole life, Hitler has meant the downfall of Germany." Mm, why did you do that in an accent? I had to do it because for his whole life. <laughs> what is that? Hitler. I had to do it, because for his whole life, Hitler has meant the downfall of Germany. There you go. See? Getting into it. Getting okay, into all right, it. All right. But I want to kind of try mine again, because I suck. Go, yeah, you go for it. I had to do it, because for his whole <laughs> life, Hitler has meant the downfall of Germany. That's what terrible. are you? Are you I'm on health okay. from the North Pole. That's the <laughs> sound like. Oh, Make the toys for Santa Claus. <laughs> Uh, fun fact, guys, I did all the voices for the Germans in all of the Call of Duty games. <laughs> oh, so true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, basic. Okay. Oh. That was an adventure. Yep. <laughs> so Elser started planning the assassination of Hitler. Hitler! <laughs> Alright, uh, okay, sorry. Let me just say that this guy was extremely meticulous in how he planned and carried out the whole thing. Mm. On November 8th, 1938, Elser went to Munich to hear Li Hitler give his annual speech commemorating the Beer Hall Pooch. Pooch? Mm -hmm. Pooch. 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 It's a weird word. I, I don't know how to say it. Anyway, this was the event when Hitler- <laughs> Beer Hall Pooch. <laughs> sorry, you said it. Pooch. <laughs> the Pooch! <laughs> don't screw the Pooch. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, so Hitler gives his annual speech here commemorating the event when Hitler and the Nazi party had tried to take over Germany with a failed coup in 1923. And I'll give you guys some more details about that when we get a little bit down the road. Okay, so, perfect. Yeah. So anyway, Elser gets to the... Oh, God. <laughs> the Burger Brockler Hall. Burger Brockler? Burger Broccoli Hall. <laughs> Too many German words in this one. Burger. Okay. Broccoli on your burger. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, okay. Burger Brockella or something like that. Anyway, it's the hall. It's the beer hall where the speech annually takes place. Okay. So Elster gets there, and he arrives hours after Hitler's speech, but has a look around the hall and sees an opportunity. Ooh. He later said, In the following weeks, I slowly concocted in my mind that it was the best way to pack explosives in the pillar directly behind the speaker's podium. Oh, that was, yeah, okay. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Elsa returns home and starts collecting the supplies needed for a huge bomb. Nice. He began work with uh, with an armament factory and secretly and systematically stole explosives while wow. working there. He hid all of these explosives in his bedroom. <laughs> However, in order to hide this bomb within a pillar, Elsa realized he needed the dimensions of the pillar. Huh. So he returned to Munich in early April of 1939, this time, bringing a camera. Hmm. Okay. Uh, he collected enough pictures of the sizes and dimensions of the pillar and returned home. Now, I just want to make a David Koresh joke. David, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> next time when you want to plan something or you want to have evidence of something, bring a camera. Do as Elser does. <laughs> <laughs> Do as Elser does. I want a t-shirt. That's <laughs> uh, Anyway, getting back home, he lost his job at the armament factory due to an argument with his manager. But Bummer. this time, luck was on his side. Okay. He found work at a quarry where he slowly collected an arsenal of 105 blasting cartridges and 125 detonators. That's a lot! <laughs> <laughs> he is not fucking around. Wait, okay, so a detonator, is that just like something that set... I'm assuming that's just what sets off the bomb. Yeah, exactly. Why but, would you need 125 of them? Well, uh, he, <laughs> he actually gives an explanation. Oh, good. Commenting later on this great number of equipment, Elser said... 
I knew two or three detonators. <laughs> I knew two or three detonators were sufficient for my purposes, but I thought the surplus will increase the explosive effect. Oh, well, okay. I, I don't know anything about bombs. I, don't know. I, don't, I just kind of imagined, you know, those little pump things. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway, while he was working at this quarry, Elser was living with a friend's family and made many drawings and sketchings for his bomb device. He told his host family that these drawings were for an invention he was working on. Clever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the old invention, Ruse. <laughs> in July of 1939, uh, Elser detonated several prototypes of his bomb in a secluded section of his parents' orchard. Wow. <laughs> Satisfied with the explosions, Elser moved to Munich in August of 1939. He brought along all of his bomb-making pieces in hidden compartments in his suitcase and boxes. You got handed to this guy. He's really determined to oh, blow up Hitler. Oh, just wait. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he rented out a room in Munich and began his long and tedious preparation. Remember, it is currently August. Elser knows that Hitler will give his annual speech at the Burger Brockler on <laughs> November 8th. Elser has until then to install the bomb in the pillar behind the podium. So over the next two months... Elser attends the Burger Brockler for the evening meal and then hides when the beer hall closes uh, at 10.30 each night. What kind of beer hall closes at 10.30? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> A uh, civilized beer hall. <laughs> it's the 30s. Mm. After the hall was closed, Elser would come out of hiding and go to the pillar behind the podium. Using a flashlight dimmed with a cloth, he slowly chiseled the compartment in the pillar big enough for the bomb to fit in. Wow. This was slow work. It took Elser between 30 and 35 times of sneaking into the beer hall at night to finish the work. Wow. He would escape each morning when the hall opened, carrying out the pillar debris in a suitcase. Of course, there were guards and maybe even dogs guarding the hall at night, but Elser knew when and where these guards were and where they patrolled. He was never caught. Wow. Yeah. That is so badass. He's a badass. He yeah. Is, hey, Koresh, don't get caught. Do as Elser does. <laughs> do as Elser does. You know, Elser didn't even have camo, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, in the day, Elser continued to work on his bomb, which he called the Infernal Machine. <laughs> so badass, that's oh, no. definitely a metal album. <laughs> <laughs> Should be. Uh, he, he bought the extra parts needed, including sound insulation to mask the ticking of the bomb. Wow, he thinks of everything. He does. Uh, on the nights of no- November 1 and 2... One, <laughs> November two. 1 and 2. What, what about <laughs> Donald Trump? <laughs> two Corinthians. <laughs> anyway, on the nights of... No- on the 1st and 2nd of November, just a few days before Hitler would make his annual speech, Elser installed the bomb into the pillar. The bomb was armed and had a fuse of 144 hours, which would coincide perfectly for Hitler's speech in six that days. That is crazy! Yeah. Uh, on November 6, only two days before the speech, Elser again stayed overnight at the beer hall in order to check that all was in order. His bomb was working perfectly. The timer had continued its countdown and everything was ready. Elser quietly celebrated the next day by drinking two cups of coffee. Whoa! Getting, <laughs> getting two a, cups? <laughs> Whoa there, Elser! <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> he celebrated by drinking two cups of coffee, getting a haircut, <laughs> and then he headed for Switzerland to escape. Wow. Meanwhile, Elser's hidden bomb continued to count down, approaching the time of Hitler's speech. Dun, dun, dun. And on that cliff note, should cliff we take note? a break? You mean cliffhanger? <laughs> cliffhanger oh man that's not a cliff note that is we need a break <laughs> we do need and a when break. we come back we'll be, we'll be talking about Maurice Bavard's uh, adult life yeah get ready And we are back. Do we talk about dead people? That's definitely a Russian one. <laughs> That's my Russian accent. Uh, I have a Russian accent. It's terrible. I like it, though. Uh, but it, uh, 
I can't. These are Germans. Though, yeah, these are Germans. About. Though we're talking about. Uh, my brother uh, had a French or a French art professor, and he does this incredible uh, <laughs> imitation of this guy because he, he says uh, a lot, but it comes as uh. <laughs> so it'd be good. What is this? Uh, what is this? You draw? You draw? I turn into a Russian there. <laughs> I can't do accents, everybody. Uh, but anyway, so Maurice is in Berlin. Uh, when last, last time we left him off, he had just bought a pistol. Right. Uh, and he's trying now to figure out how to get close enough to Hitler to do the deed. And he's asking around about how he could get an audience with Hitler. <laughs> just asking anyone. <laughs> I know, which is just apparently a thing you can do because a cop named Carl Deckert what? hears him talking about his desire to see Hitler and tells him that he could, if he could get a letter of introduction from a foreign VIP, he could get a personal audience with Hitler. Whoa. I know. <laughs> so he also tells him that there's this big party going on in Munich celebrating the anniversary of the beer hall pooch. Oh. <laughs> punch. Punch. I love that. Punch the pooch. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know, these are the details I want to give you. Yes. Uh, the beer hall punch was Hitler's first attempt to take power in Germany. Um, and I'm going to go through the events because they're just kind of funny, I guess. <laughs> okay. It was 1923, uh, and the Nazis were starting to show up on the scene. And Hitler was definitely in a powerful position at the, powerful position at the time. Uh, decided to take over the Weimar Republic. Okay, um, so that's Germany's and, government and, at the time. Yes, and okay. in order to do that, he had to make a serious power move, right? So he gets a squad of loyal Nazi troops, oh boy. surrounds the beer hall where a whole bunch of Weimar politicians are having pints, and basically says that he's in charge now. He like walks in with a pistol and says, the revolution has begun, it's now, and I'm in charge. And everyone like kind of looks at him, and then they're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Get on his side almost immediately, like you do when you're yeah. surrounded by Nazis. The one witness said that it was like basically magic. He used the word hocus pocus because <laughs> the room went from like infuriated at him to like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna go with you." In like, 10 oh minutes. yeah, oh yeah, we're gonna go with. That's my German <laughs> accent, you know. Get all the Minnesota boys. Don't oh you, yeah, don't you know? Uh, <laughs> um, but at first. Like I said, everyone's enraged, and then he's got them turned into allies. Hmm. Um, but it, it surprises Hitler, uh, <laughs> and it goes nowhere because there's no plan in place for what to do after this. It's like Hitler goes, <laughs> I'm in charge now, and everyone's like, okay. And he's like, uh, I didn't expect that. Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't have to shoot anybody. <laughs> um, so they all decide to march in the Bavarian Defense Ministry. Oh, uh, wow. So that's like, ah, our next, next plan of action. So uh, there are 130 soldiers there dug in and waiting. <laughs> Uh, and they kill 16 Nazis before the Nazis give up. And oh. then they arrest all the survivors. <laughs> and that's when Hitler... What a, what a disaster. I know. <laughs> that, that's when Hitler goes to goes to prison and writes Mein Kampf. Right. Yeah, fun fact. Uh, anyway, there's a party celebrating the failure of this thing, I guess. <laughs> and Maurice wants to go. So Maurice disguises himself as a journalist and gets a press pass so he can be as close to the parade as possible. All... It's going well, right? Uh, yeah, right. Wrong. Oh. Wrong! <laughs> Hitler is marching in the parade with a bunch of other Nazi leaders that Maurice does not want to kill. Okay. Remember, he's not just some crazy murderer. He's yes. dedicated to the killing of one man, Adolf Hitler. Mm -hmm. uh, and collateral damage is not a thing he wants to have in his conscience. Yeah. So he doesn't take the shot and instead forms a new plan. <laughs> he forges a letter of introduction from a French nationalist named Pierre... Tattinger, I think. That's completely mispronounced, but I... Tattinger. And in his letter, he claims that he has another letter for Hitler that has to be presented to Hitler alone. Oh. 
Oh, the old alone plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a, I got a letter for your eyes only. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> um, but it's not a terrible plan. Uh, the problem is that Maurice doesn't actually know where Hitler is. Oh, where is Hitler? He thinks that the hitman is in Berchtesgaden. Uh, did I pronounce that right? I think you did. Oh my god! <laughs> Berchtesgaden! Yay! Uh, now he thinks that the hitman is in Berchtesgaden, but he's still in Munich. Maurice travels to Berchtesgaden, learns that Hitler is in Munich, and basically can't do anything about it because he's out of money. <laughs> so sadly, he totally abandons the plan and stows away on a train to Paris. And on this train, he's caught by the conductor and turned over to the Gestapo, where he's interrogated and confesses to attempting to assassinate Hitler. Wait, so he's caught by the conductor? Yep. <laughs> I want to know how that went. <laughs> I I don't know. Like, was he in? I mean, if it's a like a storage train or a cargo train oh, or whatever, okay. Um, maybe the conductor caught it before they left. Or, you know, my my version of this is that he's, like, hiding in the conductor's office. Or not office, but a yeah. area. I, fuck, I don't know what it's called. And he's like, I'm a piece of coal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a piece of coal. <laughs> I don't know. What? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, so, hey, let's move on to Johann Georg Elser's end and death. Yes. Okay, yes. All right. Well, maybe not death. Who knows? Ooh. So when we last left Elser, the plot was all in order. Mm. Elser was on his way back to safety in neutral Switzerland, and the bomb behind the pillar of... Uh, Burger Brockler! <laughs> ...was ticking and ready to detonate. Everything was going as planned. Hitler came to the beer hall on the night of November 8, 1939, just as Elser had planned. Along with Hitler came many important Nazi figures such as Joseph Goebbels, Reinhard Heydrich, Rudolf Hess, Robert Ley, Alfred Rosenberg, Hermann Esser, and Heinrich Himmler. Wow! They were all there! All of them! Wow. Uh, all, all of them were crowded in the rigged beer hall. The bomb was triggered to detonate at 9.20pm, which would be during the middle of Hitler's speech. Wow! Remember, he knows this because he went to the same speech a year ago. That's so, dedication, man. Yeah, this is like a year or more longer in this whole plan. Wow. So 9.20 is when the bomb is rigged to detonate. But then, something changed. Damn it! A fog came in. Damn it! This fog was thick enough to make flying too dangerous. Hitler mm. had planned to fly back to Berlin after his speech, but now he could not. Ugh. So Hitler decided to take his private train back instead. Thus, his departure from the beer hall was moved to an earlier time, and Hitler cut down his speech from a two-hour-long speech to one half to one hour. Wow. Yes. You know, but here's a note. I just had a thought. How cool would it be to have your own private train? I mean, that's pretty cool. That's true. I know, uh, is it Kim Jong-il? He would only go by train. He didn't. He was afraid of flying or something like that. Huh. Um, and... Yeah, he, he had train cars that would go to China and all over the country, and it was just this decked-out, awesome train. Hmm. Which, yeah, that sounds When cool. I was reading about it, I was like, hmm, maybe I'll pretend to be Michael Jordan and go visit Kim Jong-il. But <laughs> he's dead, and uh, there's no word on whether Kim Jong-un is afraid of planes, too, or not. <laughs> so, uh, well, on that train of thought... <laughs> I got off on a wrong track! Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, we need to stop derailing. Yeah, we do. Oh, God! <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, blah, blah, blah. So, fog, right? Yes, yeah, so there's fog, and he cut down his speech. So, Elster's bomb was set to explode at 9.20. Hitler, dozens of Nazi head officials, and 3,000 people were crowded in the beer hall for the speech. At 9.07, 
13 minutes before the detonation time, oh. Hitler finished his speech and left the beer hall along with most of the crowd. No! 13 minutes later, exactly at 9.20, Elser's bomb exploded. The explosion was huge. The podium where Hitler had only just been was pulverized. A wall collapsed and part of the ceiling caved in. Wow. Seven people were killed and another 63 were wounded. But they were all Nazis, so it's okay, right? <laughs> I, uh, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> uh, Hitler did not learn about the explosion until later that night. Man. When hearing about this attempt on his life, Hitler stated, A man has to be lucky, and then, now I am completely at peace. My leaving the burger brow earlier than usual is proof to me that providence wants me to reach oh, my goal. There's that P word again. Yep. Providence. Mm. The assassination attempt had failed, but not at all because of Elser's careful planning and preparation, simply because of a fog. Damn weather! Mm. Mm. The same night, unaware that his attempt had failed, Elser attempted to escape into Switzerland. He made it all the way to the border before he was stopped by German border police. Mm. This was about an hour before the bomb exploded. The border patrol was only following protocol. However, upon searching Elser's stuff, the soldiers found wire cutters, firing pins, sketches, oh, and drawing for a bomb, oh. and a map of the Burger Brockler Beer Hall interior. Whoa, oh, he should have ditched all that. He should have. To be honest, my gosh. Uh, Elser was detained, and when word got out about the bomb attempt, he was immediately sent to the Munich Gestapo headquarters. Oh, fuck. Which was a place that <laughs> few people ever came out of alive. Oh, Jesus Christ. The Munich Gestapo headquarters. Yeah. That just sounds awful. Mm -hmm. Ugh. A full investigation on the assassination was soon begun. Himmler ordered that anybody who had even been remotely related to Elser be detained for interrogation. Classic Himmler. This included family members, former workers, neighbors, former bosses, etc. He got back at all his bosses, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but all of these people claimed that they had not had a part in or knowledge of the scheme. Elser, too, maintained that he had worked completely alone. He also told his interrogators that if he had escaped to Switzerland, he was planning to release documents showing the entire plan for the assassination attempt and construction of the bomb. He planned to do this to ensure that no innocent people would be framed for his crime. Dang. What okay, a, so I guess he shouldn't guy. have ditched those. That's that's why he had yeah. them. Yeah. Maybe he should have hidden them better. You know, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but... Uh, anyway, the Gestapo refused to believe that a single man could have gotten so close to taking out the entire beer hall. They continually beat and tortured Elser in order to find out the names of his uh, co-conspirators. Fuck you, Gestapo. Yeah. Uh. Uh, through this all, though, Elser maintained that he was the only one who had planned this and refused to name anybody else. What, what an honorable man. Yeah. Through the beatings, the, the Gestapo found that Elser's knees were very bruised and had been before the beatings. This indicated that Elser had spent many nights kneeling at the base of the pillar, carefully carving it out. Oh, I want to buy that man some knee pads. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Gestapo then moved Elser from Munich to Berlin, oh. which isn't a good sign for our hero Elser. You're taking us to Berlin? Into the lion's den? That's, yes. That's <laughs> Indiana Jones joke. <laughs> right. I, I got it. Uh, in Berlin, Elser continue, continued to be tortured by the Gestapo. Mm. He was reportedly beaten, deprived of water for long periods of time, and pumped full of meth. Oh, fuck! In order to draw out information. Oh. Through this all, Elser maintained that he had worked completely alone and again refused to name co-conspirators. Mm. The Gestapo then brought in Elser's family. And oh, fuck! And interrogated them while in the presence of Elser. Oh. Elser was tortured in front of his own family. Oh, Jesus Christ. Still, Elser remained strong. But they didn't torture his family. No. Okay, besides making them watch their... their yeah. So, yeah, wow. his family was actually released, um, but some of his 
some of the guys he worked for, uh, old managers and people, were, weren't as lucky. Uh, a lot were sent to concentration camps. Oh. A couple were imprisoned. Yeah, it wasn't great. Man, man, seriously. Yeah. Fuck the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and then also, after, right after the explosion, uh, a lot of Nazi soldiers kind of went into this fanatical anger and shot a bunch of Jews oh, because they were angry. So, yeah, fuck the Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to Elser. After five days of torture, Elser remade drawings of the bombs in order to show that he had worked alone and had, and had complete knowledge of the device. This interested the Gestapo greatly, but Himmler still believed that others had played a part in all of this. <sighs> However, Arthur Niebe, or Niebe, the Gestapo officer who was leading the operation, was impressed by the morality of Elser. This officer later said, <laughs> Gestapo officer impressed yeah. by the morality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, so this Gestapo officer said, you know what Elser's problem was? This man of the people loved ordinary people. He laid out for me passionately and in simple sentences how, for the masses in all countries, war means hunger, misery, and the death of millions. Not a pacifist in the usual sense. His reasoning was quite simplistic. Hitler is war, and if he goes, there will be peace. Wow. And he was right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, many members of the Gestapo were impressed that Elser had survived so long and still maintained that he was the only man responsible. They decided to give Elser a test. Elser was given all the materials to make a replicate of the... Replicate? A repli replicate? A replica of the bomb he <laughs> claimed to have made. So Elser did this. He made a replica of the bomb. The Gestapo was so impressed by the intricacies of the bomb that they concluded Elser must be telling the truth, and then they used similar bombs oh. in training manuals for German engineers. God damn it. Well, yeah. so Elser was kind of an explosives genius, then. He, he kind of was. Self-taught. Well, and he's slowly winning over these Gestapo guys, <laughs> which is crazy. Uh, They're like, yeah, do you want to go for a pint? Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that's, not even, that's not even close to a German. <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting one. closer. Uh, uh, anyway, Elser remained in custody by the Gestapo for over a year, but was finally moved to the Sachsenhausen concentration camp, where he was kept for four years. Wow. However, Elser received better treatment here than the other prisoners and received favors from the guards such as extra rations and his own living quarters. Wow. It seems that he had gained the respect of many SS members and camp guards for his integrity and determination. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Elser was eventually moved to Dachau oh, no. concentration camp in 1945. That's a name I recognize. Yep. God. In April of that year, with Nazi defeat imminent, Hitler ordered that Elser be executed. Damn you, Hitler! On April 9th, 1945, only four weeks before the end of World War II in Europe, Elser was shot and his body cremated. He was 42 years old. Oh. Now, as can be expected, Elser is largely seen as a hero, and rightfully so. Yes. More people should know about him. Yes. Today, a plaque in Konisberg, Germany, commemorates Elser with a quote of his, stating, I wanted to prevent even greater bloodshed through my deed. There are over 60 streets and places in Germany named after him. Awesome. Many monuments have been also made for him. And there's a 56-foot-tall statue of Whoa. him in Berlin. And several venues in Munich are also named after Elser. That's amazing. And so, I, before yeah. this, I had never heard of him. Neither had I. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, rightfully so, I think. This guy was kind of amazing. Yeah. What a what a baller. Love the guy. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, Gotta gotta hand it to him. That's a, that's a lot of work to go through to kill the kill the Führer. Let's be serious here. Um, yeah, good for you. Yeah, Elser. props to Elser. Let's have some applause yep. in here. Let's do it. Yeah. <sighs> Let's raise a pint to Elser. Mm -hmm. If only we had alcohol. If only we had pints. <laughs> 
so hey, let's just move on into Maurice's death. Okay. Uh, so Maurice is uh, he's been arrested in Munich, mm. or not in Munich, but on his way out to Paris. Right. Um, and he's sent to a trial at uh, and I'm going to fuck this Ooh, up, but <laughs> Volksgerichtstoff. Vol- Volksgerichtstoff. Stuff. That sounds about Shaw- right. Volksgerichtstoff. We are going to get so many angry replies. <laughs> Volksgerichtstoff. <laughs> In December, no, I can pronounce December. So in December of 1939. What the fuck? Oh, it's the cat. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, pickles. <laughs> so just oh, like that sneaky bastard up my leg. ambushing us. <laughs> fuck you, pickles. Go smoke a joint or something. <sighs> I'm looking at you. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Fucking cat. Uh, but anyway, so uh, uh, Maurice is in at the Volksgerichtstoff uh, in 1939. Uh, here he gives an incredible self-defense, where he boldly states that Hitler is a danger to humanity, to Swiss independence, and Catholicism. Whoa. Yeah, these are his motives for wanting to kill Hitler. And they're really good motives, <laughs> yeah. honestly. Oh, so, good, uh, good, good, good on job, you, Maurice. Maurice. Really. Wow. Yeah. Um, but poor Maurice is basically doomed. Yeah, you don't want to say those things and if you want to live. The, kind of the worst part of it is that Swiss diplomats say nothing on his oh. behalf. In fact, Hans Frohlicker, the Swiss ambassador to Germany, publicly condemns oh, his assassination on. attempt. Yeah. Great move, Frohlicker. Go lick some froze, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> the Germans uh, offer the... I'm sorry. The Germans offer the Swiss uh, Bavad in exchange for a German spy. So they don't really want to kill him. They want to exchange him for a for a prisoner. Uh-huh. Uh, but the Swiss turn it down. Ah, come on. Swiss. I know. So uh, Maurice, our hero, is sentenced to death by guillotine in 1941. Whoa, yeah. whoa guillotine. So he's... Sp- <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, he spends two years in this legal nightmare before having his beautiful, beautiful head... Removed by a device that was invented in the 1200s. Ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, and I did not know... The old guillotine. I did not know they went back that far. Everyone thinks yeah. they, they started like in the French Revolution or whatever, but apparently there were machines in the 1200s for beheading people. Hmm. The first one was like three people at a time. <laughs> well, so, geez. Yeah, I know. Megatine. <laughs> <laughs> Get the job done. But anyway, uh, it's really worth saying outright that Bavad was also a hero. Yeah. And it's too bad that he didn't get to shoot Hitler. But, I mean, think about yeah. how much he went through anyway. Yeah. This guy really believed that Hitler was dangerous and he took personal action against him. Mm-hmm. How many people really did that during Hitler's reign of terror? Uh, I mean, you could many. you could say a lot of people indirectly, you know, uh, soldiers fighting against Hitler and his regime and whatnot. Well, they're probably a good number, but not that got this far. Yeah. Well, like it was just him. Yeah. You know, he went and you know picked up a gun and said, "It's probably time to kill Hitler." And then the balls <laughs> went straight to Berlin to do it. Wow. I mean, not that many people would do that. Not that many people did do that. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's this. This Catholic theology student got so close, he saw the man himself, wow. and then decided against it because he was afraid of killing non-targets. Wow. He's an absolute hero. No doubt huh. about it. Seriously. Jeez. Um, so let's applaud him, too. Let's do it. Wow. Go, Maurice. Yay. <laughs> so, that's, that does it for two German heroes. And You know, I gotta say, it's it makes me feel a lot better than our other podcast episodes. This yeah. was just... Even though they lost, it's nice to know that people like this existed. Yeah. Two totally. heroes. Totally. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, we talk about, honestly, a lot of depressing fucks. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Um, but these uh, two, I'm I'm actually just proud to have them on the program. It's me too. It's kind of funny. But uh, let's, uh, how about we just stop virtue signaling and go <laughs> to the surface? Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. To the surface. Come on, pickles.
Ice Age is the worst movie ever made. Now you're getting it. Well, what should we do with the rest of the day? I'm going to go work out. Don't lie on the air, Aaron. All right, all right. We're going to go work in my rabbit colony. Don't judge me, it's a job. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what's going on over here? Hmm, looks like someone's been chiseling a hole in the wall. Look at all the debris. Weird. Huh. Hmm. Okay, well, just ignore it. Let's go get some burgers or something. Cool. Speaking of cool, feel free to send all your hate mail to wetalkaboutdeadpeople at gmail.com. We will read it and nod along. If you hate us, you're probably right. Uh, And if you really feel like you're enjoying the show and you want to donate to us on Patreon, we would love you for that. Uh, Even a dollar is helpful, honestly. Um, But that's at uh, patreon.com slash we talk about dead people. All right, so go and give, please, so we can keep doing this show for you. And with all that being said, we'll bring our show to a close and let the Soviet National Anthem play you out. Telling me that they left the studio before the bomb went off? How long did you set the time for? You should have been there. Burgers, you say? Perhaps an opportunity for poisoning. Yes, work your magic, my servant. I want those two idiots killed by the time I'm back from lunch. Whatever means necessary, whatever means necessary. <laughs> you know, James, I could really use a pint. Do you want to cross the street? I think we should. Uh, cross the street. <laughs> Who am I kidding? It's right here! Ever since we had this tavern installed, <laughs> oh, it's been such a Life great addition. Life is so much better. Let me get the door for you. Thank you. Excuse me, everybody. Excuse me. Yes. Quiet down. Can we have Quiet your attention, down. please? Uh, we are, um, I guess you could call us minstrels. That's and okay. your neighbors. And your neighbors. Uh, we have a song we'd like to sing for you. Uh, if you'll just... If you'll just... Uh, let us? Let us? Yes. That's good. Um. <clears throat> Hitler was bad. He was so very bad. He made all the people feel sad. But Maurice and Johann the Great said no. The hour of darkness grows late. Death to the Fuhrer, death to his friends, death to all those who won't make amends. One with a bomb, the other with lead. The Fuhrer himself was not safe in bed. And he wasn't good in bed either, everybody, just so you know. One fought for peace, the other for God, and died doing service by way of the rod the heroes that germany needed the heroes that germany heeded later after the reich had fallen now raise with me a flag and a veil to johann elser and maurice bavad who died for their country their people their god to german resistance their actions we laud Whoa, 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 your lipstick stings on the front lobe of my left side brain. I don't know this, anyone.